Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. So let's uh let's bring the 10 for 10 series to a close guys. And uh Cage, when we left National, we had this sort of this motto. It's like jobs not finish, right? Uh and we sensed that there was this enthusiasm at National and there was a lot of people that couldn't be there. There was a lot of people that were there, but there was a lot of people that weren't. And we wanted to carry that on. Uh and honestly, got to give you guys a shout out out there. All the success that we've had uh, we have record listener numbers. It's all of you guys out there that are listening and sharing. And honestly, without that, I don't think we would be able to get the two guests that we have sitting in front of us today, which is truly, truly a blessing. And I'm excited for these next 30 minutes to have a great, great conversation with them. So now to introduce our guests. So it's not going to be kind of a history of Nat Turner and PSA because we did that. We've had Nat on the show. Today, we're going to be talking about PSA, the national and PSA moving forward and some of the amazing content they're creating. So without further ado, Mr. Steve Sloan, Mr. Nat Turner, welcome to the show, guys. It's amazing to have you. Thanks we're for having good. us. We're going to yeah, try not to bore Nat this time. Excited. That Last time we had Nat on, he was sorting his cards. I was like, I got to come up with a better question. <laughs> this guy's well, setting up his cards. Are great. He's doing it again. <laughs> so we have, uh, we have exactly 30 minutes. So I want to kick it right off the bat. There was a rumor going around national. I want to hear if this is true. And this might be for you, Steve. PSA getting into grading memorabilia, is that going to be the case? Because there was some beautiful, beautiful memorabilia, right? There was a lot of cards, but I remember seeing like a Bill Russell 1958 MVP trophy, game-worn jerseys, baseball signed by just about everyone at bats. Is there any truth to that rumor that PSA will be grading memorabilia at some point in the future? Well, it depends on which types of memorabilia. We, we currently do grade certain types, including game-use bats. We have agreement with John Tobby, who's the foremost expert, Vince Malta, foremost experts in that particular field. Uh, same thing with autographs and grading autographs. We do that with Kevin Keating and our, our expert autograph staff. Uh, the gloves are included in Tobby's as well. Uh, we have in the past done rings, trophies, and awards through an expert named TJK. We actually don't do that any longer, but TJ is still a, a great resource for that. Uh, I would say on the game use side, that, that is an area we've looked at for sure. Um, there's some stellar experts out there that are doing their thing. Um, I think it's just a matter of how it fits with PSA. At the time, you know, obviously most of our fo focus is currently on the trading card backlog. Um, but as we continue to grow and that's done you know, a great job bringing in some people on the corporate development side who can help us with that, uh, we, we certainly could look at, at game use jerseys as an example. Let me throw one out there, Andrew, because it's easy. You know, I want to let these guys talk. You both can answer this, right? And you're going to come at it different ways because, Steve, you've been to the National many times before wearing a PSA shirt, you know, working the PSA booth. Nat, I think this is your first time behind the, you know, behind the bar, you know, like serving drinks, you know, at PSA, right? Your first time what's, cool about, what's cool about Nat, though, he came in front of the bar and shook hands. Exactly. I was going to get there. So. going to get there. But, yeah. So, so, yes, I mean <laughs> – Steve, you could take it from a comparison to years past, you know, like, you know, how crazy was it? Was it busy or you name it and that kind of like, a, you know, you know, any reaction you had to, you know, the, the, you know, the national, the way people kind of, you know, approach the booth, the way people approach PSA at the national, you know, from, from this side of it now. 
Was that for me or Steve? Was both for me? of you. Both of you guys. I want to hear both of you. Both can have different yeah. answers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I had a blast. I mean, I've been to the national a bunch um, as a collector. I was actually there as a collector as well as representing PSA and Collectors Universe. But um, you know, on on Tuesday and Wednesday, I spent about an hour or two just walking around. You know, just doing my own personal uh, collecting thing. But as far as being behind the booth, I mean, it was really fun. I mean, the best part was meeting people face to face that. Uh, well, a lot of them I've met before, but I hadn't seen in two, three, four years. Um, and then a lot of people are new to the hobby or were longtime customers of PSA that I never interacted with, but I knew of, like, frankly, legendary collectors that, you know, I got to shake their hand and see some of the cool things they were carrying around. Um, you know, honestly, just walking the line and like talking to some people, I, you know, because I, I love cards. So I was like, hey, like, what do you got? Like, can I just see what you're about to submit? Uh, and you know, I saw some really cool, uh, stuff that frankly, like I, I knew existed, but like I had never seen, um, and it showed up at the national and thankfully it was submitted to PSA, um, which was, was even cooler to kind of see them go, see those cards go through the grading process. Um, but yeah, honestly, it was, it was awesome. I had a blast, but I know Steve was probably more stressed than I was. I, yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve actually had to work harder than I did. I got to like play around with cards. <laughs> and that was, people didn't see it, but behind the scenes, Nat's in the back putting, inputting orders. I mean, he was uh, really yeah. going at every level, which was cool. Customer ambassador that uh, really helped us bring in even more business. Nat, there's openings on the sales team if you need anything. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, from my side, I mean, the, the, yeah, Nat nailed it. I was very stressed going into the show just because, you know, this is a big occurrence for PSA every time a, a national takes place. You know, our, our presence at the show is important. And I think for people new to the hobby, um, understanding how the kind of economics of the show floor take place, like our presence there is very important from the uh, standpoint of us being there to provide our services so additional trade can happen at the show. And so cards that are submitted at the show typically will then get exchanged or uh, traded, bought, sold, that sort of thing. So it's important that we're there. We Our nervousness came really from the fact that we knew that there would be a, a great deal of demand. So how could we position ourselves for success? One thing that was kind of an unsung uh, hero for us was the fact that all of our submissions were done uh, through our online submission center in the past, you know, believe it or not, even as, uh, as recently as 2019, we're still accepting paper forms for cards and being able to have the ability to kind of foresee the future as to what was coming through the online submission center really helped us be prepared. And as a result, we had a really successful show. There was uh, there was this cool story circulating around. It was this guy, his name's Mikey, right? And I think it was like three months ago, four months ago, like his local sto local show up in, uh, I think it was like, Northeast. I don't know exactly know where, but he picked up a gold a 2015. Show. It was a church show. Yeah. yeah. So he picked, like a, he picked up a gold Kobe Bryant 2015 Cobes last season. And there was some speculation. So he, he graded it right there on the site. Did the deal ever go down, Matt? Did you ever get that card? No, no. I I, uh, I think I'm, I remember. Well, first of all, I was in the grading room when um, when the card came through the graders because one of the graders knows that I, I love Kobe cards. And he's like, check this out. And, you know, I walked over to his desk and was like, you know, <laughs> oogling at it. Um, but no, I, di I didn't end up getting the card. So Listen, I don't know who I'm, I'm going to take has a it. pause. I'm going to take a pause here. Okay. Because I have to do it because it wouldn't be an episode of, of, of ours if I didn't. But I may have in my brain when I heard a collector 
of Nat's stature is going to be in the PSA booth while stuff is being collected and graded. I may have said to myself, hmm, could this happen? A Kobe card that he wants comes in, and it's a 10, right? It's a 10. But you know what? Because Nat's there, they're going to slam it a 9, and Nat can pick it up a little cheaper. And then it can get resubmitted, and he can have his 10 and get it because he's behind the scenes. And here you go, guys. Think about it. Yeah, but Cardporn would see the serial number and the then he would yeah, blast it all over Instagram. Steve, Steve Sloan is actually Cardporn. But here it is. The guy, <laughs> he wants the card. He wants the card, but it's a 10. And you know what? The guy wanted a, he wanted a price for it. Matt, Matt says, I can't pay for it. I mean, that's a little too much. The price is a little too steep. So here you go, right here, behind the scenes. Kobe came through. Nat wanted it. He was drooling. I see him. He's drooling right now a little bit. It was this awesome gold Kobe card. And you know what? It slips through his hands because – this is not what this is about, right? This is not, you know, the card's going to get graded. That's not going to say, no, 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 knock that one down a little bit. Let's make that a nine. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I note the certificate number. Anybody out there who might be thinking that, uh, maybe stop because that's a little silly. So anyway, I just had to do it aside because that's the first thing that my brain went to as a uh, hobby cynic, I guess. So I'm an optimist, I guess, by nature. This is, this is how the dynamic works. I thought it was cool that, like, I, I saw how busy you were, Nat, and you were always moving, always, ma- like, you guys had so much to do. There was a line around the corner. People wanted to see you. And the first thing you did, maybe not the first thing, but, like, the first public thing that you did when you went back to PSA, you understood that we live in a content age. And you put together this 100, 100 best cards submitted at PSA, which probably took a ton of time. And it's so <laughs> atypical to what, like, a tip, what normal grading companies, legacy grading companies would have done curious like how, how why, why did you want to do that why did you go that route i mean look as a as a collector uh like i said i mean i i was in heaven uh seeing <laughs> some of these cards get submitted and personally uh felt it was like a responsibility to like make like allow people to see what i was seeing um you know it was true entertainment as a collector i mean every five six minutes you know a card was on the booth out there and i was walking by and i'm like like you know like the atom bomb uh one of one um you know i saw cards like there were multiple one of one lebron rookies that came through um by the way i didn't even put these in the list but we had reholders i'm gonna put uh, these up as you're talking about them so here's the one of one we had some reholders come in cards that i like that, they were not on the list. These every card here was graded for the first time uh, by PSA, so they have the the serial number. You'll see the certificate number is six three four one. But you know, I saw some crazy stuff. But the, the point was, is as a collector, I'm like, I I kind of ha- I feel like I have to let people see what I was seeing um, as a as a form of of you know uh, collecting you know entertainment um, like that mantle, for example, the fifty three. You know, I was in the room when that came in and our head grader who was there for for vintage was like, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And I, I I wasn't actually in the room at the second he graded. I came in maybe 20 minutes. He had set it aside and he was like, you're not going to believe this is the nicest 53 mantle we've seen in years. Um, and like, that's a huge card by itself. And it got an eight five, which is a monster grade, you know, for that card. And like, that's just so, mm-hmm. I don't know. Personally, I just think it's super cool to see something like that. And, you know, had we not gone through and, you know, published it, I don't know if that card transacted or not at the show. To Steve's point, a lot of these cards did transact at the show, I presume. But 
you know, that card may never have, you know, surfaced again. And, and I just think it's cool to be able to see what happened. So that was all. It's, uh, it's it took a long seven... time. It took, yeah. it took me seven hours to go through the folder. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Nat, I think there's going to have to be like a, a monthly series here where you do your monthly yeah. favorites and picks. So. Are you yeah. are you guys at PSA leaning into more more content moving forward? I guess from like a business standpoint, are you seeing that as a as something that the audience, I guess, has asked for in 2020, 2021, a little more transparency? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of people don't understand that we have operated on a pretty uh, shoestring uh, marketing slash content side uh, for a number of years. We're really trying to reinvest in that area. You look around the landscape of the hobby, there's so much great content on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, podcasts. I mean, it's, it's great to see so many people converging and sharing opinions on a daily, weekly basis. Um, we, need, we want to be part of that conversation. Uh, traditionally, we have been a very small part of the conversation, typically in things like print and you know, through series on our website. We want to be more in, in the podcast world, in the video production world. So we're looking for talent. Uh, honestly, there's a number of job, open job recs on our on our uh, website currently, if you're, if you're looking for a role in the hobby, I encourage you to check it out, psacard.com slash careers. And uh, look what you can contribute to PSA. I mean, we're, 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 we want, we look at what we just did with the top 100 list. I mean, that literally happens on a daily basis here at the, at the office in terms of the great cards that flow through. And there's a lot of opportunity to, to, to pull back the veil, show exactly what we're grading, explain some of our processes, explain our growth. And so, yeah, it, it is certainly something we're investing in. I mean, think of that, right? You just said you have museum quality assets right there. And mm -hmm. if you didn't do that quick post, no one would see them. Mm -hmm. You know, they were brought in by a collector. They're given to you and, you know, okay, well, that's it. We'll give it back. Maybe it transacts, maybe it doesn't. But like that mantle, that, I mean, that's 70 years old, that card, right? Oh, I'm supposing 70 years old. And has it ever been graded? Who knows? Maybe it's in private collection. You don't know the backstory. Now I want to find out. Now I want to see mm -hmm. where it's going to come up for sale or if someone's just going to, you know, hang on to it in their collection. And, you, you know, you, you juxtapose that against uh, a one-of-one -one atom bomb which is as modern as it gets here, Sapphire, you know what I mean? And, and just, I mean, it's crazy just to see the, you know, the, the vast expanse of, of, of different cool things that you guys get to see. And it's great that you're sharing them because otherwise it's happening in the dark. Can we, yeah. I want to shift gears and provide some optimism, some enthusiasm for the people listening. Kind of, here's where here we are, August, 2021, moving forward. Before we even do that, I want to ask you guys, you guys are some of the smartest kind of econ market behavior. You understand how markets work. What makes for a successful hobby, right? Like we always talk about the hobby, the market's unsustainable, the prices are too high, that this company has a backlog, all this stuff. What is a sustainable hobby? What does that even look like? I know that's kind of a vague question, but if we figure and define that, maybe we could talk about how we can move forward to get to that goal. Um. Yeah, I'll jump in, Steve. Um, I mean, in my opinion, the health, it, you know, I look back, you know, let's see, 15, 20 years ago when, you know, car, it was a lot of dealer to dealer transactions. Um, you know, it's a very kind of like small circle. Uh, you know, the hobby wasn't super healthy. You didn't have a lot of like new young people coming in. Um, and that, that kind of by definition, you know, is lack of liquidity. Like, you know, it's very risky you know if some dealer decides not to get you know another psa 10 jordan rookie that that the price of that card could plummet um you know now the health is a very dependent upon 
the circle growing, you know, by having more collectors come in who are interested in the same cards. Um, that's if, if you look at the health as far as like prices, that's that's certainly true. But if you look at it just in terms of, you know, access, liquidity, you know, you need these things flowing around back and forth between people and anyway, growing the pie, basically growing the number of collectors, which, you know, by the way, at the national for me, I mean, I went uh, the last few years as well. Not last year, obviously was canceled, but, um, you know, there's it just was so different. Uh, I mean, the number of young folks there, the number of people in general, like it felt like two or three times as big, you know, as 19. Um, well, your line, definitely and, the line at your place was, I mean, only whatnot yeah. might have had a similar line, but they were giving away free ice cream. So, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's hard to compete with that, especially when you look like me. Yeah. Bomb pop goes and a long me, way. And to me, I would say trust and integrity. Like, you know, you got to trust the prices you're seeing. You got to trust that the auctions are being conducted fairly. You got to trust the grading. Uh, process, you know, all those things, um, you know, eBay uh, was very helpful with, you know, reputation and feedback back in the day. That was a huge innovation for card collecting, um, you know, but we need to be even better now uh, as a hobby. And and thankfully, there's some really good auction houses that are doing a good job on the, on the harder to access higher price stuff, um, you know, before you'd have to kind of broker private deals. I think that's important. And there's been a lot of innovation there. But um, that's what I'd say. I don't know if Steve has anything to add. Yeah, I mean, I'd boil it down to to structure and transparency. I mean, for me, the structure side is just you want to be able to pull out your phone and be able to access either a community of people who know what the answer to a question or have similar interests and feelings about uh, as you do about a, a particular card or a website or some sort of piece of information that can give you more assurance as to what you're looking at the security of your transaction. And so there's a lot of converging, really smart and emerging technology and innovative companies that are coming into the space. And to me, that gives me great optimism for this hobby because you look at any asset class, if there's structure around it, then it's going to grow and more people are going to participate. So that, that's one thing. And the other flip side is transparency. People getting on screens like this, talking face to face, you know, having an understanding of who the person is you're dealing with. Social media is a critical component of that. So whether you're a breaker, whether you're an auction house, you know, people who present themselves and put themselves out there, that's how you develop community and that's how you in turn develop growth. So the more things are tied to the phone, in, me, in my opinion, the more this is just going to continue to go. In terms of transparency, so we have this one corner of the hobby that's actually now regulated, right? And it's fractional. And I'm curious, how, what do you guys think of fractional? Uh, we had Collectible there, but Rally and Otis are also two great companies who do fractional ownership of memorabilia, NFTs, and CryptoPunks, and cars. Does fractional help the market? Steve, you want to? I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of it because it, it democratizes collectibles. And if you can't afford that 1953 Bowman or an eight and a half, maybe you have a sh shot of owning a share of it. I mean, the main thing is, is how secure it is. And, you know, the assurance that you have a governing body looking over it is a critical component, I think, of the long-term success of it that's happening in many instances. So for me, I love it. Uh, I, I love the fact that, you know, there's big prices and that people are, are pushing cards in the mainstream through some of that, uh, that, that activity. So I, I got nothing but uh, positive outlooks on it. I just wanted to remain a secure transaction for the people participating. Besides maybe a 70 year old mantle, eight and a half coming across the table. Uh, anything surprise you guys about the national, anything sneak up on you, anything like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. For me, it was just the, the fact that there were like 12 year olds walking around showing me eBay. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that was pretty yeah. nuts. 
Well, we had a um, we had a few kids. We had a bunch of kids in line. We we brought one kid. Actually, the uh, Fortnite card uh, that's in the top 100 was was this particular uh, kid's card, and he was like clutching the card. And, like I don't think his dad was a collector, and you know we actually brought him and like gave him a little tour and stuff, and made sure the card got got entered, you know, in time and everything. But um, yeah, for me it was actually there there weren't as many. Um, well, actually there were more soccer cards than I expected. Um, honestly, like I, I would look through the bins, you know, as they were being submitted and like, I mean, it felt like it was 25, 30% of the submissions. I don't know if that's true. It probably was a lot lower, but it just, it, 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 um, it was a very noticeable, uh, not surprising either was there, there was not as many, um, TCG like Pokemon and cards cause the show is largely a sports show. I would say, uh, we see a ton of that in the, in the office at, at PSA, by the way. Uh, and growing but at the national it was it wasn't as much other than when when um like aoki and some of those guys who really collect that stuff personally dropped off things just because they were higher value but i don't know that those are and then i was again the number of kids in line was super cool it's like submitting the cards themselves with their parents but i don't know what steve thought yeah. yeah just the diversity of the crowds and on the cards submitted i mean typically you know, go to the national years past even you know five years ago it's a bunch of cases of vintage baseball cards uh, which is, you know, very core component of the hobby. But this year, I mean, completely different with the uh, just variety of types of cards, not only on the floor being submitted. You know, it's not it's a sports show, but I did see some non-sports cards, which was nice to see more than I've ever seen in the past, even though it's still a very small fraction to, to Nat's point. Um, we see much more here at the office. But um, at overall, just really encouraged to see so many kids, so many, uh, frankly, just uh, just more diverse crowd overall from what we've seen in the past. So that shows me that more people are getting engaged in, through through social and other ways to get uh, into the hobby, which is great to see. So, One thing I'll, I'll add, we, we had someone asked on Twitter, like, could you also make a top 100 list of cards that should not have been submitted? Um, <laughs> we, 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 we did have some folks, and, I, and it's something Steve and I will probably talk about in the future, of like providing guidance at the booth to be like, you know, like, Maybe, you know, there's some people kind of walked in that maybe weren't as educated on the grading process. And, you know, a guy submitted like a 1991 Fleer Jordan, which, you know, maybe we're not we're not going to be the ones to say you shouldn't get a card graded. But, you know, that's that's certainly at the service levels and the grade it got should probably wasn't worth it at all. Um, But again, he wanted it graded. And so there there were some some I would say kind of more newer customers that I think we need to help, you know, educate on, you know, what they expect from the process. But. That was one other thing to add. Some people just want their card in a slab, though. Too, it's not even totally. Yeah, we're grade, not. Right? Yeah, look, we're not going to turn away a card by any means, but you know, we we probably could do a little bit more education, you know, up front for brand new customers on, you know. Something yeah. I learned from my co-host, and I'm really lucky here because the guy's like he's a jokester, but he knows his stuff, and he's been in the hobby for you know three decades at least, and he talks a lot about coloring up, and. and like you listen to interviews of Ed Milet, Andy Frisella, Gary, so many entrepreneurs cross the board. They have their roots in collecting cards because like you could kind of color up. You understand like fundamental finance and basics and things like that. And two groups of people last year had a lot of success in that, right? There's people that could send just about any card to PSA, have it slabbed, resell it when they get it back and make money and group dealers. And in tw- so 2020 was good to group dealers and, uh, let's call them card flippers it's gotten a lot harder in 2021 but they were still there there were a lot of them were still at the national 
So I don't know if Steve wants to take this, then Nat or not, then Steve, but like, what would you say to those groups of guys, right? They've, tr they've tried to color up. They try to do things the right way, but it might be a little bit more challenging. That doesn't mean that the game is different. It just changed a little. What would you say to those groups of people? You want to take that one, Nat? Nat says yeah, collect I mean, like, PMGs I... instead. No. I mean, they, they, play a, they play a hugely critical role. Um, you know, Steve and I met with a bunch, you know, at the show, you know, the dealers, the, the group submitters and – um, you know, I'm a big customer actually of a bunch of them for my sets, you know, that I'm doing, um, I personally, and, and we talked about this, you know, we're, we're not, we're probably just as, um, disappointed as they are that, you know, it doesn't make sense right now to send a bunch of set filler cards to us to get graded at current open service levels. And that makes being a group submitter hard because, you know, a lot of what those, those guys are doing are aggregating, you know, lower end cards to send in, um, and we can't really help them right now on those those things. But but I'll tell you, you know, with our backlog, you know, we are making a ton of progress, and we're we're sending back cards to those very dealers uh, with regularity, and you know, so they have supply, they have inventory that's coming back to them every week that they can then you know keep their business going uh, in the market while you know they're not necessarily submitting new cards, but again, they. They were part of the reason we have a huge backlog. They have a ton of stuff that's due to come back to them. So um, that's what I would say. Yeah, that covers it really well. I mean, I think one thing we can do for them is just provide that consistent flow of product coming back because that it keeps the, the pump prime. And so big uh, group submitters like uh, PC Sports Cards and others, and they get they have a ton of stuff here already in the building and just getting it back to their customers is part of what we obviously can deliver on. Our, our uh, ability to process the lower end bulk stuff is actually quite good uh we have uh you know ability to push out quite a quite a good number of, of low end uh, orders uh, so that, that does certainly help get at least the product back into the marketplace in terms of getting new submissions in it's going to be a while frankly and that was one of the top questions i got when am i going to be able to submit cards at 20 bucks again or lower and it's it's not going to be 2021 i can tell you for sure that um, unfortunately, just given the backlog at where it is today, we have to focus on that. We've kind of we're, we've made our bed with this huge influx of submissions, and we have to you know do everything we can to get those back to the people who have submitted them. So, looking towards 2022 and more you know optionality within our online submission center, maybe it's targeted to certain types of cards that we can accept at an early basis. For example, vintage, because of how important that is to the set building community. That might be an option that we explore where we say, okay, we're going to bring back vintage low end first before we get to other categories like ultra modern or modern. So we didn't even ask him. He's, you, you tell he's been asked this question so many times. Everybody <laughs> wants to know. He just voluntarily answered his own question. I love it. <laughs> you, I'm, uh, I'm coming from straight off the national. I answered that question probably 25 times. So we're, we're right here, uh, right along our, our, uh, our end point. Guys, first off, I want to say thank you for jumping on. This is the finale, our 10 for 10 series. No one better to, to end it, to, to cap it all for us. Uh, Steve, you know, I've met Matt, Nat before, but, I saw in your pro profile picture you're a baseball player. Did you did you catch the Field of Dreams game last night? I did. That was a great ending. Um, I, Not, for I, Not for me. Not for Are you a Yankee fan? I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, but I mean that's that's uh, like I think the bit, main thing I saw on social media afterwards was like let's do this more often, right? And I think just as a baseball fan, like 
it needs every shot in the arm it can get from a publicity and positive marketing standpoint. So like so my, one of my favorite comments is like, okay, when's the Sandlot game going to come? So like, <laughs> that's for me, it's like, okay, let's try something, something different with, uh, you know, different venues and things like that. So yeah, it was, it was a great uh, marketing thing for, for Steve MLB. says try something different, but would you try the hot dog in the apple pie? Would you have a hot dog with the apple pie? I'm not a I'm not an apple pie guy, but I will eat I'll eat a hot dog. Did yeah. you have did you have uh, what's that place in Chicago that everyone loves like their, their hot dogs cage? Why don't you try it again? Because you've said it 14 times in 14 different yeah, ways. What do you I forgot, man? I don't have I don't have a <laughs> photogenic from, memory. It was like Bertoli, yeah. he's go Bertoli's Pertillos. He's like, oh, never, like never been. Different never I'm, been. I'm blanking on it. We had some delivered to the booth for, for the staff. We did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I can't even remember the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guys, I, I like the key. I like to be punctual. Cage taught me that. Right here we are, right against their deadline. Thank you so much, Nat, Steve. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you for being so generous with your time, your information. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for again. Thanks, guys. This episode of Lucas Tigers and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.